this is Scott, back for another round of KC Greats. This is episode number eight today, and I'm speaking with Katie Booty of the Lean Lab, a really progressive educational project here in town. And don't worry, she'll explain it a lot better than I do when we get into the episode. Now, if you've followed the news about Kansas City schools in the last couple years, you know that the system has many, many challenges. Katie and her team are taking these challenges head-on as an opportunity to make huge changes for our city. They've integrated their view of education with the innovative spirit we're seeing throughout the business community in Kansas City in the last several years. So it's really interesting. It's a very different approach. Pay close attention to what you hear from her today because she and her team are making a big impact on the future of Kansas City. So let's get to it. Hi folks, this is Scott again with another episode of KC Greats. I'm lucky to be here today with someone that is kind of the boss at a place called The Lean Lab. And you're probably saying, what is that? That's exactly what I said when I learned about it. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring it to you. It's something really neat that's really beneficial to our city and working with a lot of great organizations to make good things happen for us. So uh, say hi to Katie Booty. How are you, Katie? I'm good. Well, thank you for taking some time to uh, chat today. And um, if you don't mind, how did you kind of get where you're at here with the Lean Lab and, and what is it and things like that? Yeah, yeah, um, totally. So the Lean Lab is an education innovation lab, and we believe here that Kansas City can be world-renowned for education innovation, particularly in our public urban school sector, which is a pretty grandiose vision. <laughs> that's, I mean, recent years, that's a challenge. Yeah. And kind of a, not a sore spot, but just something that people would like to see improved, our public schools around here, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And kind of our story begins, um, we were founded almost three years ago, about two and a half years ago, by myself and Carrie Markell, who are both public school teachers in Kansas City Public Schools. Neat. Um, yeah, uh, Carrie taught second grade, I taught middle school math, and then became uh, an instructional coach at Alta Vista, which is a charter school here in town. And um, we were really, at the time, this our public school sector was just having a lot of critical challenges. We had sure. lost accreditation again, and Kansas City Public Schools, our charter school sector was kind of struggling at the time, and we just didn't see a lot of there weren't a lot of concrete examples of what hope could look like and that we were really making transformational change with uh, students and families in our urban uh, classrooms. Well, so that's, that's been a common theme for a lot of years for Kansas City Public Schools, all the way back through desegregation or, you know, busing and stuff like that, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's been a beleaguered history, and I think, unfortunately, because of that, there's been this um, common perception or misperception in some cases that, uh, that you know, there was just this narrative that our schools were kind of doomed or just this chronic failure. And even though we knew, carrying myself knew, you know, working every day with these kids and families, that that wasn't the case. That there's like a, a lot, lot of opportunity. Sounds like a lot of folks kind of gave up on it. And you're challenging that. Yeah, yeah. And that was the, definitely the perception at the time um, was that, you know, there just wasn't a lot of hope. Um, 
However, like I said, we had the opportunity to see these kids and families and teachers every single day and know that there was a lot of, um, a lot of opportunity uh, in these classrooms that we weren't really optimizing or maximizing. Um, and also, there, yeah, I think the, the perception and culture at the time was definitely an issue. Like being a teacher, isolated, you're isolated all day in your classroom. Um, there wasn't at the time a community of, you know, people coming together to talk about how to make progressive change happen. Um, education happens to be a system that's rather stagnant and slow to change. <laughs> so while we had all these, yeah. you know, significant challenges facing us with the loss of accreditation, with, um, you know, the reality that many of our kids were years and years behind where they needed to be, on top of that, there we're also dealing with a system, a systemic problem that not just in urban schools and public schools across the nation, even high performing ones, that they're lagging behind what's happening in right like where there's not evolving fast enough to prepare kids for the crazy um, evolution of technology and industry that's happening across the board today so so like you marry those two things together and you have a huge it's a big hurdle hurdle yeah um or a huge you know opportunity to Mm -hmm. innovate so our approach was that we really wanted to create a safe place for parents, students, and teachers to come together and talk candidly about the problems that were occurring and what they were facing in education because they're real, um, whether it be getting kids up to grade level in reading or providing really rigorous training programs for teachers or providing really creative transformational opportunities for kids to engage with learning in new, exciting ways. Um, and to begin having solutions-oriented dialogues. So what was happening before was that you just had a lot of, um, I think people felt really cut off from solution-oriented conversations and really disempowered and that they rarely had opportunities to voice concern. And when they did, it kind of felt like it wasn't really being taken seriously. It was kind of just... Well, on the outside, we'd see the snippets of some dramatic news conference or board meeting that basically is two sides yelling at each other not listening so it sounds like one of the things you're doing is providing a forum to you know have concerns voiced and then find ways to overcome the concerns yeah no exactly that's exactly it how do we create a pathway to change that anyone can access whether it be a student parent or um or career educator that it's not just this top-down approach where people are left feeling powerless so that that was really what spurred it. So what we really started was Carrie and I just started hosting pop-up events. We were just bringing people together. Um, initially, it started in the very early days around a monthly brunch where we brought people you know, from all different backgrounds, law enforcement, artists, teachers, administrators, to the, literally to the table to say, like, what would it take to bring, make a world-class education city in Kansas City? And from there, it turned into... Um, workshops where we brought people to the table and said, now let's voice concerns. Let's, let's try yeah, to find a pathway to action. Yeah, exactly. And then that turned little until by little into more of an entrepreneurial innovation framework. Where at the same time, coincidentally, and luckily, our startup scene in Kansas City was really gaining traction. Mm-hmm. Google Fiber came in, um, Startup Village took off, the Sprint Accelerator landed, Think Big opened up, and you just had all this activity around tech and innovation. With that, we learned a lot about frameworks, kind of, you know, education was, we are kind of beating our head against the wall a little bit, (laughs) and what was gaining traction at the time there, but in entrepreneurship, we were seeing a lot of traction being made citywide, so we thought, well, what what are they doing over there that's, you know, galvanizing all this positive energy? Um, 
and really fell in love with kind of the accelerator incubator framework. This idea that you could where you could source talented entrepreneurs and innovators, equip them with resources, be it funding or mentorship or coaching and support or access to a network, and really, you know, source these great bold ideas, support them, and get them to launch so that they can actually create impact. And launch into the schools, into the educational societies around. So, exactly. Except, I mean, yeah, what we're seeing happen at the Sprint Accelerator, where we took a lot of inspiration in the Techstars program, typically, you know, big corporation or civic mm-hmm. entity like the city or Sprint will invest $100,000 in a team. These are, they're investing for what they hope will be profitable ideas sure. in their case. And we thought, well, let's, you know, and let's replace the idea of profit or return on investment with return on student outcomes and actual change for kids. So what would happen if we were able to, you know, build these communities where parents, students, teachers are talking candidly about problems that are in need of innovation, feel like they have access to change, and at the same time support people, entrepreneurs and innovators with these early stage ideas that have the capacity to redefine education and give them the real resources so that they can launch solutions back into our school system. So the people that could come to you, you know, could be on any level. It could be a teacher that has a great idea mm-hmm. that wants to see it applied in the schools but doesn't know where to go. Maybe he's just beating their head against the wall like you mentioned by trying the normal channels. could yeah. be that. Yeah, exactly. And we try to chunk our programming to meet everyone where they're at. So maybe they don't even have an idea yet. Maybe they're just where I was in the very beginning of frustrated and hungry for our community. <laughs> like, I think that happens a lot. Kind of sure. like you almost need, you know, kind of an AA network or <laughs> just a support system to say, like, I don't know what change I want to see, but I know I need something different. I need a community that believes in something bigger. Well, I've got to think that that helps with a longevity problem on teachers that, you know, last four or five years and then because of the frustration, step away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, the longer someone's in a profession, the more expertise they're going to have. So having that support probably can soften the blow a little bit of getting into the profession. Yeah, yeah, well, that's actually funny when you say that because that's actually like the, if you look at our data, that's our, our, who we engage with most frequently are teachers that are hitting that fourth, fifth, sixth year that have gotten like the first couple of years under their belt. So they're no longer, you know, just a first year struggling teacher. They understand the craft, but they now understand um, the problems within the industry the limitations. as well. The limitations. Yeah, and are seeking that. They're not hopeless or burnt out yet, but they're seeking <laughs> that next step. Um to create meaningful change. So if they don't find that resource with, with you guys or somebody else, they probably will get to the burnout stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we have a huge problem with attrition in the teaching profession, mm-hmm. and I think a big part of it is that, you know, it's can feel stagnant at times, and it can feel like you're powerless, so we try to give them a community and agency to create. Interesting. So what um, what are some, some programs or uh, companies that have, that have kind of started with you guys or incubated with you and, and where have they gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I said, we, we try to offer programming for everyone and kind of the pathway. So we have, I'll give you kind of the big overview and mm-hmm. then dive into the incubator and the teams we support. But so you can come in, like I said, for just a frustration or just a wanting or longing to connect with other people that are like-minded. And we have happy hours the third Thursday of every month for that. And they're just, they're... they're <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, they're, they're uh, really fun. They're led by two 
teachers that we work with locally that are progressive-minded teachers are in unconference format. So you just come, show up, grab a drink and a snack, and um, break out into groups to talk about whatever topic you want to talk about. And that's that's it. Um, then we have uh, innovation workshops, which range from a half day to three day, where you can dive in and learn design thinking and lean startup, which are innovation frameworks, um, often used in product design and technology, but mirrored onto education so you can actually see what it means to actually prototype a solution and learn how to do that you mean real world skills <laughs> yeah brought into education that's that's crazy yeah yeah no it's it's fun <laughs> stuff and then um we also have startup weekend edu once a year which is you know kind of a big entrepreneur shebang startup weekend but just for education solutions and then if you keep kind of going down that pathway and decide that hey i really feel like I have a viable idea that I really want to see to fruition, um, we have our incubator fellowship program. And the way that's looked the last three years is a four and a half week full-time commitment in the summer. And the goal is that you get to an actual functional prototype by the end of that and find a school system partner in which you can pilot for the academic year. And that could be software, that could be curriculum, just anything, right? It can be anything, yeah. It can be um, technology, software, app curriculums, new school design, huh. uh, anything that you think solves a critical challenge in our education landscape and would be transformational for um, students' lives in the end. So that's that's the goal. This year we had a really exciting development. Uh, we were able to offer $100,000 in C-level support, So we, and we opened up the, for the first year this year application um, to people outside of Kansas City. So we ended up receiving applicants from 28 different cities, 17 states, and three different countries, wow. um, making it the most selective cohort to date. Yeah, and um, several of our team, we ended up selecting five teams, four of which were from outside Kansas City, but all of which had to commit to piloting solutions and impacting Kansas City kids, which they are doing now. So, so that's fantastic. You're taking resources from everywhere, but in the end game, they're getting applied right here at home. Even yes. if their idea came from elsewhere, their impact is, is staying here. We, we love that. <laughs> Yeah, and because we've been able to build such a, um, I think, robust and connected community here in Kansas City, close to closest to the challenges, um, you know, our, our entrepreneurs this summer were really able to partner with those communities every step of the way while they're prototyping and getting feedback, and that's really critical to um, the longevity of the work. Really neat. It's it's cool to spread that impact um, nationally, but bring it home. Yeah. I love that. Now, what are some of those those fellowship companies or ideas? Are they ones you can share with us? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we have five teams um, this year. Uh, they'll be back at the end of September to finish the program, and then we'll have a big launch day celebration. We'll have demo their products and pitch, so that'll be really exciting. But um, of the five teams, actually this year, they do happen to all be technology teams, which is purely coincidental. Well, and speaks that's where to, things are going. Yeah, it <laughs> speaks to just where we are in 2016. Um, but uh, some really exciting ones. So, for instance, um, InReach is a cool company. They're based in Chicago. Uh, and um, they're founded, they just have a really interesting founding story. They're founded by a first generation, their CEO, Angie Rivera, um, was a first generation college student who had this challenge where she actually got into her dream school of Yale, um, but couldn't navigate the system to figure out how to go because she just didn't know, you know, That's all different loopholes. That's not either the family or the cultural norm 
for her, sounds like. So yeah, what resources she, do you use? Yeah, and she ended up going to start a weekend in Chicago for education and meeting um, a group of high school students who had this problem on the opposite end where she saw herself years earlier where they were going through the college search and didn't have the capacity or the money or the social capital to navigate all the different hundreds of university systems to figure out what's the best fit school for them. So they wanted to figure out how can we leverage technology to lower the barriers of entry into understanding where best fit schools are. And so what they ended up doing was creating a platform which is almost like it's, a, it's really a messaging app to connect prospective college-going high schoolers with current college students at campuses all over the country and have candid conversations about the campus experience. That's a great idea because, uh, to be honest, it's one of the things that, that when I think about 10 years down the road for, for my kids and the potential college age, things are different now. Um, I don't understand people just going to school at the local school just to go. There's not a lot of value in that, and I think industry is even kind of rejecting that. You know, If you're not getting specific skills, that's a big deal. And if you're not matched with a school that is going to give you the right skills and be the right fit, I don't know that it's going to be that successful of an experience. Yeah, well, I think as, as you know, Emily just found, like, it's, you're making a... Oftentimes we're asking 17 and 18-year-olds to make a $120,000 decision based on an informational packet they receive in the mail, which is potentially at a place they've never even been or seen. And literally could have a lifetime impact, not just on the education, but on the if they use student loan financing, things like that. That's a problem that can go for a long time if it's not right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think that one has the ability to just lower, I mean, yeah, just make college more accessible to so many more kids and help them make the right choice um, in a meaningful way. So that's a really exciting one. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm really just excited about all of our teams this year. Another one that's been making a lot of progress is called Class Tracks. They're a vocabulary acquisition tool for English language learners. So they're a team that was founded by... um, uh, Lita and Thierry, who are um, immigrants, were English language learners themselves, that were new immigrants to the United States that entered our uh, public education system um, without really great tools to catch them up to speed. Uh, and so they've created a technology platform where teachers can enter vocabulary lessons and um, it exponentially speeds up the vocabulary exponential vocabulary acquisition process through a scaffolding system so you see kids I mean it's amazing we did a pilot here in Kansas City at KIPP at a local charter school with our English language learner population these kids I mean learned 20 some words in 10 minutes because this tool is so effective wow and this is I mean these are it's interesting both examples you've given these are personal issues for these individuals that are found in so there's a big surprise, it's a passion of theirs, is to change the atmosphere for folks that are in their shoes. Yeah, so. that's a pretty critical piece of our theory of change is that we feel that oftentimes our educational system has been so inept at serving our students because by and large, uh, these solutions have been crafted by people in state departments <laughs> or in cubicles and tall office buildings completely removed from the realities of the issues that our kids and families and teachers are facing every day. So what better way to subvert that process than to actually put 
the people that have the most experience with the problem in the driver's seat and give them the resources wow. to build real change. Those are pretty cool examples. Yeah. As, are there, uh, on the other five that you had this summer, are there, um, is there a listing on the website or something where folks can check out all of them all yeah. at once? Yep. Yeah, they're, they're just awesome tools. They're solving problems, everything from teacher um, funding in the classroom to providing widespread access to nutritional information to kids so they can better pick healthier school lunches to um, the you know, vocabulary acquisition problems that we talk about and college access. So they're just all doing really amazing So that's stuff. at all levels, it sounds like, from, you know, an across-the-board solution such as nutrition to, you know, elementary level to college seekers. That's, that's impact across the board. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, they're all... Uh, We've realized that education is a really complex piece, and it takes an army of people solving bite-sized problems to chunk away at it. So, Now, that's an interesting thing that, that you say, because as I came to your office today um, for this interview, I noticed uh, you're not the only ones here. Uh, where are we, and what's... This is kind of another community in a community, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So we are at um, the EdU Hub, and uh, actually, it's a pretty cool story. So I believe, um, not I mean, I believe that we're doing awesome work, and we have the you know ability to and just extreme privilege to work with amazing education entrepreneurs every day in our work. However, we're also in the middle of what I think is kind of an education renaissance happening in Kansas City. So we. Um, are the co-founders along with five other organizations of EduHub Kansas City, and it's a place where um, it's a literal place, and what we're in the heart of Westport, uh, where um, we all share. We're six organizations that all share this vision that Kansas City can be a world-class education city, and we all are startup organizations solving this in different ways. So, uh, co-officing here, we and we all. It's kind of funny myself. Mike English, he's the executive director of Turn the Page Kansas City. Paul Greenwood, he's executive director of um, Ed Ops, which is a charter school finance uh, organization. And um, Trisha Johnson, who's the founder of Show Me Kansas City Schools, which is a website that promotes parent choice for navigating that and finding the best fit school for them in Kansas City, um, all kind of came together about two years ago with this idea. We were all startup organizations. We were all working out of our homes or donated <laughs> church space or basements and all have the same vision and but we're solving it in different ways and we're like well maybe we should like get a place <laughs> we should move in together yeah yeah and it's a big step right and that and that evolved into this spot where you know we were fortunate enough to get some philanthropic support um and get some other organizations organizations to join um join us and now have this kind of awesome vibrant space that's fantastic now if it's if it's someone that that doesn't mind being said or an organization who who have been big supporters of getting this done have they been kansas city companies or just individuals or what yeah two major big supporters so um i hope he doesn't mind me saying this is building its owned by bush hellsberg who is a huge supporter of a university academy which is a charter school here in town his family helped found that school he's on the board and um he also helped found their support organization, Friends of, U Friends of University Academy, which um, is office upstairs, and they help their graduates get into college and support them through their life-long uh, learning endeavors. So there's and a history so, of caring about education here that's not yeah. just a, 
a pop-up thing for him. Absolutely. He also happens to own the building and had uh, open office space. So through wow. them, we kind of just threw together a proposal and said, hey, what would it look like if we were able to take over a floor? <laughs> and um, how could we afford to do that? And he gave us, you know, a really awesome opportunity. And then with the help of um, the Block Family Foundation as well, they shared information our Block, uh, we were able to get some initial support to build out the space and that's really cool to, yeah. to hear that historical uh, families in Kansas City are, are so engaged still. And that that goes back to a common theme that I run into every time I do one of these talks with someone is the biggest resource about Kansas City that makes these things possible is the people, yep. you know, at all levels. So that's really cool. And, yeah, I hope they don't mind because they, <laughs> in my mind they deserve some recognition. and Thanks for supporting something like this that is so critical for the future of the town. Yeah. So that's neat. Well, just curious a little bit about, about you, Katie. Um, are you a Kansas City native, or did you transplant here, or what? I grew up here, yeah. I grew up in, uh, well, I grew up in Prairie Village, went to Shawnee Mission Schools throughout. Um, I'm from a fourth-generation Kansas City family on my dad's side, so deep roots here. And a long history of giving back, so a big reason I think I ended up doing the work I'm doing is because of my parents work they're both um been social workers and community organizers in the urban core for the last 30 30 plus years so really kind of grew up with a value system and neat so this is kind of a kind of part of their legacy it sounds like yeah yeah no it's um deep roots I mean in fact like the first school I taught at uh CA Franklin which is on 34th and Highland was um, right across the street from my great-grandfather's corner store where my grandfather grew up which was kind of coincidental so kind of just a nice deep feeling that uh the kind of work endures of our family that's really cool that's a uh, that's a neat connection uh, where there's really some heart into it and I can tell just talking to you that you've got a love for this and it's not just uh it's not just a job, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's really cool. Well, one of the things that I like to, to throw at people during this, just for fun, what would you consider, especially being around Kansas City your whole life, what are some hidden gems to you in, in our town? Uh, things you think other people should know about. That could be a, a park, a, a bar, a, a theater, anything. I mean, I think our... Um... Like, history is just really remarkable, particularly around, like, being a birthplace of, um, like, when I think of Kansas City, I think a lot about, like, what inspires me is, like, the cultural kind of renaissance and impact we've had in music and specifically in art. Mm -hmm. So that's where I gain a lot of inspiration is that we are kind of this creative crossroads. And when I think of that, I get a lot of inspiration from um, in the art scene with Jim Levy and what he was able to do years ago down in the crossroads. That that was really a grassroots movement led by real artists that moved into these buildings and had a vision. And that's just blossomed over the last few decades into this huge boom um that it's a I, movement that's taken over part of town yeah yeah i grew up behind jim levy's grandchildren and his daughter and like i remember going down to the crossroads when i was a kid and it was just you know a couple freaky artists doing weird <laughs> things in these old buildings and we thought it was just kind of like this weird niche thing and then to see now that it's like you know on first friday you got a it's this enormous thing that's been cute i mean just crazy to see that and i think gives me a lot of hope that like change can happen and which is funny because i think a lot of people around the country and you know call us in the flyover states whatever you do 
they would not see that as coming from Kansas City. You know, being a Midwestern, ultra-conservative area, they wouldn't see that as being something we'd embrace. You know, but hey, you know what? Let's let the freak flag fly a little bit. That's kind of fun. Yeah. And it's, it's diverse, and it helps. And it, I, yeah, I think that's just one example of, like, where you had visionaries come in that were super creative and, and that it spurred a whole new industry really here and that and I think like our the history of our, our uh, music and jazz I think is really inspirational Absolutely. as well you know that we've had to some of the Charlie Parker and great great minds come in and um create and so I'm really you know love our roots like just that 18th street corridor I think just driving down it from the crossroads down to the east crossroads over to Arthur Bryant's there's just a lot of history in that street that's really remarkable outstanding those are good tips. I appreciate yeah. it. That's good stuff to look up. Well, just so we get it right, where can we find information about the Lean Lab and Edu Hub and stuff like that online? Yeah, our website is theleanlab.org. So just T H E L E A N L A B dot org. And then we're on Facebook and Twitter are probably the best ways to keep up with us. We have a fabulous social media coordinator who um, really does a really great job of not only promoting our events, but also curating all the different happenings in Kansas City education and pumping those out. So okay. yeah, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Outstanding. And we can find information about your like your happy hours or something. Somebody can come to that if they just want to learn more about it or see how this is going. Yep, third Thursday of every month here at Edu Hub in Westport at 5 o'clock. So. Sounds like a blast. I might yeah. have to try it one time. Yeah, but, you should. Uh, that's, it's, it's a whole new world um, to learn about this, and it's really cool because, honestly, on the outside looking in, all those of us around town here, unless you are actively involved, all we hear are the negatives coming out of the news stories and stuff like that. So the fact that there are so many people just centered right here trying to do good things for education in Kansas City is huge. Yeah. So we thank you very much. Well, and I think to add on like a high note, I think we are at a really crucial moment in our education history here in Kansas City. I mean, we've had four new charter schools open this year. Dr. Bedell coming in to be the new superintendent at Kansas City Public Schools. 6,000 people showing up to Summerfest to kick off the school year and celebrate the reopening of Kansas City schools. I mean, like it's just a really remarkable energy. So we're really excited and just grateful to be part of it. Well, thanks for thanks for adding your part of it and your, your professionalism and Appreciate you taking some time to talk today, and hopefully we can get the word out and let more folks know about what you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay, as always, I hope you enjoyed hearing about the Lean Lab and what they're doing in town. I encourage you to investigate them further on your own and even attend one of their events. The Thursdays sound awesome. The more of us that are involved in lifting up education in these ways, then the better it's going to become. If you happen to enjoy Katie's story in this subject, it made me think of a recent book that I think you'd probably like. It's by Ryan Holiday, and it's called The Obstacle is the Way. It's not new. I think it came out in 2014 or so, but it's pretty interesting. If you appreciate a little Seneca, Stoic philosophy, you might really like this one. So check it out. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks for joining us for this episode. And as always, if you know someone that you think the rest of Kansas City should know about, please just let me know. You can send me ideas to scott at caseygreats.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next time.